That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Well, Jake, how are you? We've gotten through Christmas. We're in the new year. This is uh, the time of year when you and I really are at the height of our mental and spiritual powers. You find that to be true? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, you think normally this time of year it would have slowed down by now, but I think uh, uh, the hustle continues. You know, you're like, I just get through Christmas and it'll be all right. And, um, <laughs> and then you get through Christmas and you're like, oh my gosh, there's all this stuff that was neglected. So anyway, but no, I'm doing great and uh, I am uh, sanctification levels are high. And, yep, um, I sense so, that from you. Absolutely. Well, it's that thing in the Episcopal Church. We have this surprise every year, which shouldn't be one, but we always sort of feel like it is the um, that thing we call the annual meeting, which yep. for most of our parishes is at the end of January. And there's a lot to do to get ready for it. So mm-hmm. anyways, uh, yeah, that's what we're working on. And uh, and if, you, if you're the praying kind of person and you're listening to this podcast, which you probably are because, hey, you're listening to this podcast... Uh, Pray for the boiler at Calvary St. George's Episcopal Church in New mm-hmm. York City and for Jake's, uh, you know, equanimity and um, his, um, and uh, yes, pray for the, the property, plant, and equipment at Calvary St. George. Yeah, well, thank you for the prayers. So it's always good. So, no, it's, and there's send always, a there's check just, to there's the not, building there's fund. There's just not a, it's just, it's, we have, we got a new boiler and then we have two boilers. So, because it's Calvary and St. George's. So, Anyway, it's all good. Uh, we, by the way, yeah. On that note, we had a vestry meeting last night, and uh, we had some people who were ending their term on the vestry, and I just asked them, you know, any just thoughts? You've been through three years of a pandemic and all this sort of stuff, and somebody, one of these these vestry members, said, you know, I had, I just sat in the pews before I was in the vestry, and I thought that things just happened automatically by themselves. I never knew the church was like this really complicated organization, like a business that had. To, decisions have to be made all the time there's just so much i was like yes and pray for me yeah, that's right so, anyways all right jake well lift uh, our your readings... eyes from where is your help to come lift yeah. your eyes up to the hills and uh, tell us course. our readings uh for this this coming sunday the the second sunday well, after Epiphany. this week we're looking at isaiah well we're looking at isaiah 49 verses 1 through 7 and then we have first uh, corinthians 1 1 through 9 and then john 1 29 to 42 and uh, so, well, and uh, here we are, the second Sunday of Epiphany. So the the, the season of Eureka, as uh, we like to call the season of Revelation, the aha, now I get it yeah. season. That's what Epiphany is all about. So the readings are going to continue to be through this season, kind of this idea of um, Jesus for the Gentiles. So on the Feast of Epiphany, which we're recording on actually January sixth. The Magi arrive, these Gentiles arrive, these non-Jewish people, not people of the covenant, um, arrive and worship Jesus. So that's the big, amazing surprise. Everybody thought the Messiah was coming for Israel, 
and he did, and he was, but it turns out the Messiah was also coming for the whole world, which is in the mm-hmm. Old Testament, and that's what some of these prophecies are. Is, is, but the, that's kind of the big moment, the big realization that Jesus is for everybody. So uh, we begin with this Isaiah reading, Isaiah 49, 1 through 7, and it begins right off the bat with this idea. Listen to me, O coastlands, which mm. is not where the people of Israel tended to live that that's code word or poetic language for uh, Gentiles Um, yes the Israelites were not seafaring people the people on the coastlands the the beach people the people who live in Playa del Carmen and the people who live um, in uh, in Key West in the Keys off uh, Florida the people who you know like the all these people they they're folks who um, these are not the these are not the holy rollers and so there's an announcement for them, which, you know, is kind of surprising. Mm. And, um, but then we, we hear that, yes, the message is for Jacob and Israel. We get that later in the passage to bring Jacob back to him, that Israel might be gathered to him. Um, this is what this, the speaker here is saying about um, what his mission is. This servant of God is mm-hmm. to bring back the people of Israel. But, but that's not enough. That's... That's small potatoes. I mean, yeah, that's that's great, but it's a too light a thing that you're just bringing back the people who are the the backsliders um, who were already in. The amazing thing is that you're like to the whole nations. And this passage says the the end of the earth. So I think you know that's the context of the passage: Gentiles versus Jewish people um, thousands of years ago. But in terms of how you make it connect with folks yeah. today, I think there's a really powerful thing to say here about. Uh, essentially, I mean, I would say the majority of your congregation feels like, as far as God goes, they're a little bit far off, especially if it's the new year and you've got people that have made resolutions to come back to church and they're there and they, they don't know how to use the hymnal or the prayer book or they don't know when to kneel or stand. and um, They're just feeling far off. They're feeling like they're not part of the holy club. And the message is that you are exactly then. God's cup of tea. You're the one He wants to call home, and so that I think that's the message. Or would you add anything, or what would you say about this Isaiah passage? Yeah, I would. Uh, th- I mean, that's exactly. Uh, so you'd remember this is within the um, the part of Isaiah that contains the servant songs, and so and the servant is God's agent to do God's work in God's time in God's world, and uh, what He does uh, specifically here, and what we see here, is a couple of things, and I think. You can tie it into the contextual side of Israel and, you know, they're feeling despised and they're feeling uh, neglected. But here we have um, and maybe, you know, we kind of come and started a new year and like already things are kind of, you know, on shaky ground or whatever. And you're just kind of, uh, where are you, Lord? Well, you know, mm. what this passage reminds us is, is that God has come and he his he's coming and he hasn't forgotten the tribes of Israel. Rather, he's going to raise them up. And he's the one who restores and preserves Israel. And furthermore, uh, he just doesn't raise them up and preserve them, but he uh, gives them as a light to the nation. And uh, and uh, he gives them the light of the nations, uh, that uh, they through them they might be the salvation to the ends of the earth. And, uh, and that's that's what God is doing through broken people still today. Uh, he doesn't use people who basically basically good folks who are getting it together. Uh, rather, he is the one who restores broken people 
and uh, he's the one who restores broken people and uh, has given has given them you and I the light of the nations, which is his son Jesus, and that's what this season of Eureka is all about. Hmm. Yeah. So let people know that that good that good news. Um, and now we move on to this passage. From by the way, if you do talk about the Psalm Psalm forty. Um, a beautiful one made popular by um, you too in the song mm. 40, which by the way, I'm reading Bono's book, Surrender. Highly recommend. Um, really a good writer, surprisingly, and lots of good sermon illustrations, mm. although he does get some of his biblical references wrong, um, which will be in another podcast. All right, but <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 9, the beginning of this letter yes. to the Corinthians. Um, and as you're talking about this aha moment, kind of just continuing this theme of Epiphany and God being for everybody, it's worth noting that this is one of those times when the location to which Paul is writing is important. The mm. church is in Corinth, which is a very Hellenistic, meaning Greek, meaning Gentile, meaning not Jewish city, um, big uh, financial center and dust sort of a it's you know a a place where there was a lot of shipping so very cosmopolitan um had been sort of like vegas las vegas in its morality previously um some scholars think that maybe it had settled down a little bit by the time paul um was writing this but nevertheless it's it's not um branson missouri if i can put it that way um it is is a cosmopolitan worldly city and yet there are these people who now are um Christians there. And um, so these are an example of people who were far off, who were considered outside the pale, um, uh, and um, and they have been brought in. Uh, I will say that this is, by the way, the beginning of a, um, a, s- a series of weeks where you're going to have readings from Corinthians. So if you want to have kind of a Corinthians series, now is a good time to do it. And this is the first passage of the first chapter. And so you can do some of that work and saying, like, this is who the Corinthians are. Um, and they have been brought in. And this is the miracle that they didn't have to get circumcised. They don't have to keep kosher. It's not like, come follow us and have more rules. It's come into the freedom of Christ. That there's, and this is what Paul says, grace and peace to you in our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and then, you know, it ends with this passage, this, this section of verses, um, where it's, uh, uh, about all that God will do for you. Um, and this is uh, verses, gosh, well, I mean, the whole, like verse four through verse nine, like verse four is um, grace has been given you. <clears throat> verse five, you have been enriched in him in every way. Um, that Verse six, the testimony has been strengthened among you. Verse seven, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Uh, verse eight, he will strengthen you so that you may be blameless. Uh, and in verse nine, God is faithful and he's the one that called you. So it's like hit after hit, just reminding you that Christianity is a is an announcement yeah. that Jesus has done this for you, not a list of rules that you must now follow. Yeah, this I think that's a very important. And when you're going to preach this particular passage, uh, this place is totally screwed up. Like this church is um, uh, a mainline church off the off the wagon rails. You know what I mean? It's totally screwed up. And Paul here is uh, correcting uh, in this epistle a number of their skewed views. Uh, one, they're overarching, like uh, they're like 
overemphasis on some like abstraction of love, their overemphasis on some sort of like uh, abstraction of healing, and their overemphasis of miracles. This is what happens actually when uh, people assume the gospel. Uh, the mm. gospel is ultimately, when people assume the gospel, the gospel is ultimately denied. Um, uh, there's a, uh, you know, and uh, and so um, Corinth was one of these places that uh, uh, thought they knew everything but didn't know a thing. Um, but nonetheless, uh, Paul, I love I love that you pointed it out. All of the um, the indicatives there in that first mm-hmm. chapter, the indicatives are key to understanding because Paul tells them who they are, not who they should be, but who they already are in Christ. And that's, yeah. that's the key there. The indicatives in this particular passage, if you're going to preach, are the key. Because uh, spiritual gifts, spiritual wholeness comes out of the proclamation of the gospel. It doesn't complete it. It comes out of the proclamation. And so that's what he's doing and why he delivers these as indicatives as opposed to imperatives. And so yeah. that's how I would go if I was going to preach this particular passage. Uh, and I think, you know, knowing that that is true about you, um, you know, people, when I buy you, I mean sort of not you, Jacob Smith, although it is true about you, but... Uh, no, I need, I need, the, um, for I need the, the indicatives every day, because I'm just people, like... Yeah. Like, I think, and, I, you, you know, you don't want to um, give any spoilers or whatever, but Paul is about to talk to the Corinthians about the way they're not being great Christians. Mm-hmm. And, like, and not just, like, they miss church a couple times a month. Like, there's some really shady stuff yeah. going on in the church in Corinth. And yet Paul can still begin this passage knowing full well what he's about to say and what's going on in the church. He can say, you are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Like, you, God has given you this grace. <laughs> well, like, to those who are sanctified in Christ, you past tense. Right. Yes, Paul, exactly. Past two, tense to be you saints, are sanctified. Together and, with and yet, all those in every place, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, yeah. that's the thing. And, if, and, you know, and you probably see it in parish ministry. I see it in parish ministry. And our listeners see it in parish ministry. You run into all sorts of people who, who've got all sorts of crazy ideas about Jesus and the church and all of these things. And the moment you're like, oh, well, by the way, you're wrong. And if you were like, I don't know if you're really a Christian, uh, you know, that's a that's a crushing thing. And they wouldn't listen to you. This is how Paul deals with people. This is a very this is a pastoral insight, not only a preaching insight and how you're going to deal with your people is you treat yeah. baptized people as Christians. You treat them as they as who God has declared they are as opposed yep. to um, who you think they ought to be. Yep. Yeah, and so for the people, again, in your congregation, and this is everybody, doesn't feel like they're being a great Christian. Mm-hmm. It's very aware of all the ways they're falling short. Um, remind them that Well, that's Paul the issue. These guys these... thought they were good Christians, and Paul was like, yeah, well, okay. That's, so, that's but, you, but you are, because Jesus has made you so. And so yeah. Um, yeah. We, we come to uh, John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. And, Which uh, I don't assume, people, that anybody in your congregation knows that when this passage begins with John saw Jesus coming towards him and declared, please don't assume your congregation no. knows who that is, mm. because this is the Gospel of John, but it's talking about John the Baptizer, not necessarily the same person who's the John in the Book of Revelation. Anyways, there's a lot of Johns in the Bible, so always, you know, you may think that your people know anything about the Bible, but I remind you, they do not. So um, make this clear that this is John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, Jesus' cousin. Jesus is coming towards him, and John, his cousin, the Baptizer, says, here's the Lamb of God who mm. takes away the sin of the world, mm. and says that basically he's, he's more important than I am. Uh, and um, 
you know, he ranks ahead of me because he's before me, meaning he existed before I did. Um, this is John fully uh, giving voice to the, the kind of the preeminence of Christ and, and kind of his full role as the Messiah and the Son of God. So, and that he's here to take away the sin of the world, which in itself is amazing. And again, that's the kind of epiphany thing. Like, it's not just for the sins of Israel, it's for the whole world. Mm. Um, but um, then there's this little passage after this wonderful story about um jesus kind of sauntering by while john i picture john like leaning against a fence post chewing on like a blade of grass Mm. in texas you see a lot of these things uh where um it's like this yard art it's like a like the silhouette of a cowboy i don't know if you've seen these jake growing up in in yuma arizona um but uh, oh, like yeah. a cowboy leaning against, like his hat's kind of tipped down. He's chewing on like a, a stalk of wheat or something, is, and he's leaning against. That's how I picture John. He's like leaning there with his disciples, uh, and he watches Jesus walk by mm. and <laughs> says that that normal thing you say, look, here's the Lamb of God. And by the way, it's worth pointing out too, this will totally go over the head of your congregation. Lamb of God means a sacrifice. Yeah. Like it's not like this is like here's a child of God or here's a cute creature of God. No, a Lamb of God means something that you sacrifice um so this is john already pointing to to the cross but um this whole conversation happens about uh um andrew peter etc what would you say about this jake or, or anything we've talked about well yeah there's a um there's definitely a lot and i love how you've highlighted the um the uh, clarification who this is it's john the baptist and right here he is revealing his epiphany you know, uh, um, what he actually saw, this is what he's proclaiming um, to the world and uh, the or to Israel. And his declaration is very important. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now, this is the first point that I would make on this, is one of the things that makes this our religion so unique. Um, uh, every other religion in the world is about what you're bringing to the table to appease the gods. You know what I mean? What is your sacrifice to the gods? And sadly, much of Christianity is taught that way too in this country and all around. You know, what are you going to do for God today to make a difference in the world? Oh, no. Your neighbor needs you to make a difference in the world. God is completely fine. You know, but this whole uh, idea. And so this completely, I mean, if you hear people, what are you doing for God today? Run the other way. You're not hearing Christianity. Uh, What John is declaring is, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What makes one of what one of the things that makes Christianity unique is that our God is the one who uh, does everything for us. He lays his life down for us. He becomes the atoning sacrifice for us. And uh, how is this? How do we know? Well, because of John's proclamation, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me, God himself, uh, to baptize with water said to me, he who, etc., etc. But there we go. God takes care of the business because he is the great sacrifice. And, um, and so, and this just changes everything. Um, mm. And it changes the disciples. And this is what makes evangelism 
uh, for your parishioners. This is what makes our proclamation so wonderful. You see, oftentimes yeah. evangelism becomes the dirty word, the E word, you know, um, because we make evangelism like the Pepsi challenge. Oh, I used to be like this, like I didn't have any friends, and then I started drinking Pepsi, and everybody started wanting to hang out with me, and everybody started coming to my parties. You know, we see God as like a means to an end, and we make actually evangelism about us. You know, like you look at a lot of like a, you know, uh, I mean, that's a lot of evangelical baptism. You know, I used to be snort coat and coke and have terrible days. And then I became a Christian. Everything changed. Maybe, you know what I mean? Or like, you know, in mainline circles, it's like, well, you know, we used to be kind of like judgy like everybody else. But then we found a nice God and now we're not. And it's like that is ridiculous because that puts the onus on us. But the whole thing here for evangelism, the whole content of the message which we're to share and which we're called to preach is not about us. It's, look, here's the Lamb of God. And mm. so they like, and uh, that just blows people away. And uh, and these guys, these disciples, um, they start sharing it with everybody. You know what I mean? They start sharing it with everybody. And Andrew brings Simon Peter's brother, etc. Mm -hmm. And he found his brother Simon and said to him, here's the content of the message. Uh, we found the Messiah, you know? Yeah. They brought Simon to Jesus. And this is the whole thing. And uh, when you come to Jesus, or when Jesus comes to you, and you you, you came to Jesus, uh, he gives you a new name. And uh, that name is Beloved. Uh, that name is um, everything you need to see you through this age into the age to come. But the content of the message, and that's what's being proclaimed here, is that one, uh, God's the God who does everything for you to save you. So now, uh, because it's not about you, you can share this message with your neighbor. And what's the message? Uh, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's right. We have found right. the Messiah. That should just, right. boom, there's your sermon. You're welcome. So I think uh, the other, the, you know, there's a huge temptation among preachers to make this passage about the E-word evangelism, about like guilting your congregation into not being better evangelists. And just know that before you call your congregation to be evangelists, to be preachers of the gospel, would you, preacher, please preach the gospel to them? That's what you need to do. Like, what the people in your congregation, um, you may have them mistaken for people who have their lives together. What they need to hear is not go tell other people come and see. What they need to hear is come and see. Um, they need to hear come they need to hear an invitation to come and see who Jesus is and to find him to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They need to know that that is for them first. Mm. But until they know that, they're never going to be able to go to anyone to tell them about Jesus because the message of Jesus is for sinners mm. and that sinners need to hear that they are forgiven. Um, and if you pretend that your congregation is not just a bunch of sinners that need to hear the gospel, um, you're going to preach a message that they can't hear. Um, and even this, there's, a, there's forgiveness here in what Jesus says to Simon Peter. You are to be called Cephas. Um, this is a massive imputational moment, meaning calling Peter this rock um, and uh, uh, renaming him and sort of, you know, in, and in that calling him into ministry. When we know that Simon Peter is so far from any kind of person who has his act together, mm. um, he still is learning and figuring these out by the time we get to the book of Acts. And he's mm -hmm. the one that gets rebuked by Jesus on the regular. And so um, this is a is not a gold star, like a merit badge. This is a, uh, an act of grace and forgiveness of Jesus saying, I'm going to do for you, Peter, what Paul says 
Jesus does for the Corinthians, sanctifies them, calls them, strengthens them, gives them gifts. Again, he is the one that does the action, and, and this is him doing it right here for, for Peter in front of our very eyes. So just the, the message here is um, make sure you don't make this um, uh, a list of things for your congregation to do, to go out there and be evangelists. Um, make them first people who have heard the evangel, the good news, the gospel, um, and then the evangelism part will take care of itself because they will actually be um, people who are softened and kind and um, by God's grace, maybe um, uh, folks will wonder where that came from and that and that will take care of itself. So that's my annual uh, don't beat your people over the head with the guilt stick to be evangelists from this passage. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, it is what it is. We'll let our readers, our listeners uh, decide when they rate us mm-hmm. on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, anything else we should add to this as we tie it up with a bow on the second Sunday after Epiphany? No, I think, we've, uh, I think we've done it all. Okay, well, we've left no stone unturned. Let's uh, move on to the third we'll Sunday after Epiphany. For, we'll you know, see, we'll save we'll something next for week. next three years. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> keep we'll start another lectionary cycle. That's yeah. right. Well, God bless you and keep you. And, uh, you know, it's the new year, but don't turn over a new leaf. Just turn over the same old leaf of the same old song of the gospel of Jesus Christ for you, preacher and um, uh, listener. Um, it's for you. And make sure your congregation knows it's for them. God bless. Somebody's looking, somebody cares, somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production, and remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.